Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's April 20th, and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Three-year-old Lockie Jones disappeared on a summer evening three years ago and was found floating face-up in an oxidation pond south of his home in Gore a few hours later. The police found it was an accidental drowning, but the boy's father has long disagreed. And he's not alone. So what really happened to Lockie Jones? And what does it say about the police in Gore when a grieving parent has to investigate the death of his own child? Today, I'm joined by Christchurch-based reporter Kurt Bayer to discuss the different versions of what happened on the evening of January 29th, 2019. It was a very hot summer's day in Gore. Little Lockie had been at kindy that day. After giving his little mates a hug, he went back home to his house in Salford Street in Gore. He had been running through the sprinkler, trying to cool off and uh, having fun with his mum. Just before nine o'clock, his mum noticed that he had disappeared. She went out into the street and saw him down the road. She managed to catch up with him. And since it was just outside her friend's house, she stuck her head in with Lockie and um, said, G'day. Uh, They chatted for a few moments, but in that time, Lockie, she says again, took off. She was frantic. A search was launched. The cops were called. And for hours, nothing was found. So around 11 o'clock, little Lockie was found face up in an oxidation pond just out on the edge of town. Now, Kurt, off the back of this, the police did an investigation. What did they find in their investigation? They found that Lockie drowned accidentally in a terrible, tragic death. They found that he had walked around 1.2 kilometres from his home, barefoot, alone, along a very rough ground, stony ground, ground covered with prickles, thistles, that sort of thing. And with a heavy nappy, he went along the edge of the pond and went past the first pond, went past all the way to the end of the very large second pond. And that's where he was found, as I say, face up late at night and dead. And the police, did they find it was an accidental drowning or that there was some something else involved? No, they found that there were no suspicious circumstances and that it was just a, a terrible tragedy. Now, Kurt, you've reported that the father has never fully accepted this version of events offered by police. So what steps has he taken to investigate the matter by himself? Yeah, he never thought that story added up. He's spent the last three years trying to work out exactly what has happened himself, him and his supporters. He's gone over screeds of interviews. He has the police file and he's really tried to see what else or what other conclusions he could come to. He has his suspicions and others that he speaks to have similar suspicions. It's just been three and a half years of hell, to be honest with you. There's no logic to it all. If he wanted to jump in, he would have jumped in at the first pond. To walk through all that rough terrain, prickles, thistles, stones, and yet he arrived at the funeral home in perfect condition. Not one mark on him. How does that add up? I guess his major concern is that um, he doesn't think that Lockie would have walked there alone. The way his little boy was, he said he was clingy, he liked to be around people he knew. It was late at night. And then, you know, covering all that way, and um, I've done that walk myself, it is a very long way, and be a feat. He had no marks on his body at all, according to the post-mortem report and the funeral home who had to prepare his little body for burial. They found no marks, no scratches, no bruises, nothing. So for that alone, Paul Jones, the father, had major concerns. 
amid all of this, the father has been the most vocal between the two parents. What has the mother's response been in the aftermath? Uh, she believes that it's been a terrible tragedy. I contacted her for this article. She didn't want to participate. Obviously very traumatic. She wanted to be left alone. Uh, so we respect that, but she doesn't believe, as is my understanding, that there were any sinister circumstances. With the independent investigation conducted by the father and that conducted by the police, we've seen conclusions diverging. So the conclusion that the father has, has drawn is very far removed from what the police have drawn. So why is there such a big divide in the narrative? And there are questions around the police investigation, especially on that first uh, night that he was found. Granted, it was uh, late at night, it was dark. There were no scene cordons set up overnight. There were scant scene examinations done, as I understand it. The, the fences or gate that Lockie was supposed to clamber over, you know, no forensics were taken there. There were no footprints or tire marks looked for around the site. There were some delays in getting witness statements. Some of the witness statements don't completely add up. The police dog only got a scent around 40 metres. Cell tower evidence was not looked for or sought by police immediately. Some of that was lost. Other cell tower evidence doesn't um, back up witness statements. Massive questions. And for a guy like Paul Jones, whose little boy has died, and he doesn't believe the, the, the police case, it's left him with a whole lot of unanswered questions, and, and that's just something that's tearing him apart, frankly. Kurt, have you seen the police file? What does the police file say? What is the summary of the facts and what actually happened here? Yeah, I've seen the police file. It's extensive and there's a, a lot of interviews with uh, family members and locals and people who were there that night. And if you read that file, it leaves you with a lot of questions. There's no doubt about that. And uh, a lot of it doesn't seem to add up. So I can see why Paul Jones has been left with a lot of sleepless nights going over and over trying to work out exactly what happened. How often is it that you would look at a police file and have all these questions and have all this uncertainty? Is that normal? No, probably not very normal. When you go to a, a murder trial and, and, and its conclusion, quite often you come away thinking that the jury has got it right or the judge has got it right or at the end you're not left with much. There's very, very few examples in my career where that's happened and I've covered probably something like 60 murder trials now. So uh, it's an unusual case, given that it's a little kid, it's really pretty distressing. Given you have all these unanswered questions, has the police shown any willingness to reopen the investigation and test the validity of the narrative that's being presented by Paul Jones here? Well, after pushing by Paul Jones and also Gore District Council, who have been charged by WorkSafe over health and safety failures around this tragedy, the police did agree to reinvestigate the case. They brought in out-of-town officers to take an independent look at it. They went over it. Witnesses were interviewed again, more statements taken, fresh eyes, if you like, to go over it. And in December, Paul Jones was called into a meeting with the officer in charge of the reinvestigation and told that basically nothing had changed, that there were no suspicious circumstances, and that's where it was, and that the case, the file, was going to be handed over to the coroner. And that's where we're left. But when Paul Jones came out of that meeting, he obviously was still not satisfied, enlisted a new lawyer, 
still pushing for answers. Paul Jones has identified several alleged suspects that he claims were involved in the death of his son. Has there been any effort by the police to investigate these alleged suspects? Police have interviewed the people that Jones think could have been involved and police have found that their stories stack up. Paul Jones obviously doesn't believe that is true, but for now, he can't take that any further. Should have never been shut down. The police didn't do their job. There was experienced people there. They knew what their job was. They haven't done it, and I want to know why. Oh, he was taken there. I think he was either dead before he got there, or he was taken there. Trying to stay strong for Lockie and that, you know. When that day comes, I don't know how I handle it, you know, if I, when I do get the answers that I need and that, you know. Kurt, just looking at Paul Jones, what we have here is a grieving father. Now, we all know that different people process grief in different ways. Is this an example of a loved one who is looking for answers and just desperate and looking for anything that that makes sense of what is an incredibly complex situation for a grieving parent to go through there's no doubt that Lockie's death has uh, devastated paul jones and and since then it has consumed his life i asked him if he had ever had a chance to grieve and he doesn't actually think he has he's thrown himself into his job as a career driver just to stay busy and also into trying to find answers around the death of his son the thing is, the more he's pushed and the more he's looked, he hasn't been satisfied by any of the answers that he's got. If anything, it's opened up more questions. So there's some ongoing things happening. The Gore District Council are defending the WorkSafe charges. Uh, my understanding is that they don't think Lockie died accidentally either. So he's not alone in his um, suspicions. And he has this new lawyer and uh, they're getting independent experts, um, world-leading people to review the evidence and see where it goes from here. But for him, you know, his, his little boy that he told one day that he would never let him down, he feels he has let him down, that's going to come into it. He's a devastated dad. He's not going to stop until he gets the answers he needs. You know, you don't sleep the worst of all. I actually think I've let him down by not looking after him. I promised them the world and didn't deliver. It's the worst thing. I held his hand one time and said, I never let anything happen to you, Lockie, but, you know, if anything happens to Dad, you made me the happiest person ever, you know. Then I had to bury him. Kurt, given that the police version is so far removed from what's being suggested, is there a suggestion here that perhaps police in smaller towns aren't equipped well enough to manage the complexity of a murder trial? We also saw a long search for answers that never came in the Scott Guy trial. Is there a need for the police in these smaller towns to be better resourced, better trained, to bring in expertise perhaps from elsewhere to support the efforts with a very complex investigation? I'm not sure I'd go that far. While it appears that some procedures that night appear not to have been followed properly. Uh, the police in general do a, a fantastic job and often in very trying horrific circumstances like 
finding a little boy dead in a in an oxidation pond. And some of the the police that night did amazing things. The the dog handler who found him tried to save his life. He dragged him out of the pond, gave him CPR, and ran him to the St John to try and save his life. Uh, it's a tricky one, but you know that they're not alone. They have resources within the district. You know CIB down the road in in Vicargo. and there were experienced people there that night. I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to go that far. As I say, I think the police do an amazing job on the whole, but this one, certainly there's been some questions left. Now, has there been an inquiry into the performance of the police during this investigation? Um, have there, Has there been an investigation of how the police performed, given all the questions that are still being asked? No, but I think that could happen down the line. It's going to go to a coronial inquiry or potentially, or at least the file is definitely going to the coroner. They may have questions. It may be down the line that the IPCA will take an independent look at specifically how the police conducted their inquiries. But uh, at the moment, no. Although it's more than three years on, it's it's kind of still early days, really. Um, there's still ongoing inquiries, ongoing court uh, action. So yeah, I mean, that, that might be something further down the line. Now, having kept your eye on this case over the last three years and having reported on this matter, what do you think the chances are of Paul Jones getting the justice he desires? Do you think that there's any possibility of this case being reopened and treated like a murder trial, or do you think that this is closed and shut for the foreseeable future? Well, there's a chance it could get reopened, uh, and we've seen um, examples of that in the past. I remember the Black Widow Helen Milner case in Christchurch a few years ago where her second husband died. Uh, The police turned up, and it looked like a suicide. That night, they ruled it was a suicide, basically. They didn't handle it any other way. When it went to the coroner, and the coroner got the police file and looked at it, and um, she said, hang on a second, you guys need to take another look at this. And then a murder inquiry was opened, Helen Milner was charged with murder and is in jail now, serving a life sentence. So we've seen examples of that before. And just given the holes in this case, they all struggle to believe that a three-year-old boy in bare feet at night would have walked all that way on his own and not had any marks on his body. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Front Page. You can read more about this and other stories in the New Zealand Herald, online at nzherald.co.nz, or tune in to news bulletins across the NZME network. With thanks to our producer and editor, Sean D. Wilson, and executive producer, Ethan Sills. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.